0: Welcome back, everyone. You've got VC from Socket. This has been a long time coming. We, uh, Absolutely. We've been, we've been been going back and forth. I got ill. You got ill. <laughs> so I'm glad we could finally nail it down. But uh, thanks, thanks thanks, for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And really appreciate the flexibility as well with respect to times. But yeah, uh, glad we both got out of the field.
0: <laughs> both survived it. Yeah, as I was saying, there's a couple of our... Our team who's down, been down and out with it as well so i think it's just that middle part of the year where everyone's completely ran down and burnt out um i don't know what's going to happen in a raw and bull market if this is what's happening in like one of the most annoying mark- markets of all time but here we are
1: <laughs> absolutely I, I totally get it
0: <laughs> so um i suppose let's uh it's kind of set a scene for the for the listeners and, and viewers i suppose um can we give can we give him a bit of background on yourself, like how you've kind of ended up to where we are today? And then we can obviously slowly get into the product. But I'd love to hear a little bit on your backstory, if that's all
1: right. Oh, yeah, man. I think, I think uh, I've been pretty, pretty lucky with how I got to enter the space and, you know, like uh, my history as well. So happy to share some context there. Uh, but, yeah, man, basically kind of been in the space for the last, I don't know, five six years you know joining like 17 18 with the with the bull with the bull market i sold my phone i got my bitcoin uh it was basically all the money i had so like oh shit now now we have to learn how this shit works because the number has to go up <laughs> otherwise i'm screwed you know that's that's how i think everyone starts in this space. uh but yeah I, I got i was i was i think just on 18 or 19 back then so i had a metamask account before i had a bank account Um, So got to, you know, kind of come in the hard way, Uh, you know, started contributing to open source as a college student, you know, still still studying on the side. Uh, When I met one of the founders of Matic, um, they were just starting. So it was just the three founders. So I got to come in as the first employee there on the tech side of things, Uh, got to lead the tech team there, build Polygon POS, Um, you know. So I've been, you know, since uh, i come from a third world country like India. I've been pretty passionate about, um, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, get transactions on, on Ethereum to be cheaper um, as much as possible, because the, that's the only way I can appear cool to my friends or, you know, kind of show, show them that, you know, this is the Ethereum thing that I'm working on. Uh, if I go to them and, and them and it's like, you know, $20 to do an on-chain transaction, they'll be like, fuck off, man. We have, we, yeah, this, this is something that we won't touch, yeah. So scaling is like very primitive to me. Uh, that's why like, you know, Polygon, I built the Polygon POS chain, uh, but then really wanted to figure out the L2 stuff. Um, so back in 2019 with Barry Whitehead from Ethereum Foundation, I built the first ever ZK roll-up. Uh, once I built that, I was like 100% convinced that, you know, this is how Ethereum would scale. Um, so after Polygon went mainnet, I was like, my job here is done. I joined Ethereum Foundation, worked with uh, Barry Whitehead and a bunch of other people and developed a bunch of things. Uh, One of those was uh, a way to customize or like optimize optimistic rollups via BLS signatures and all the stuff. Um, During that time, I also really got interested in MEV stuff So helped build the first version of flashbots. During this time also, I started building like a strong conviction on this multi-layered future. If it's going to be multi-chain or multi-L2, it does not really matter. the ultimate truth is that if you want to scale Ethereum, we need to have as many as possible. And as soon as you know that became very clear to me, Interop became the biggest problem to solve. Uh, how do we get you know people on one chain to collaborate with people on another chain? How do we get asset movements you know seamless? How do we get function calls across chains in the most seamless manner? So at the end, like you know, socket solving the Interop problem, uh, but it's all linked towards scalability. We believe solving the Interop problem. Will solve the scalability problem. Uh, so yeah, that's that's some context on you know, how we you know kind of got to the ship.
0: Nice man, that's a, that's some kind of pedigree coming into, particularly with the polygon polygon background. What was what was that like in the early days? There was it completely manic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man, it was it was it was pretty weird, man. Uh, so we were working out of this uh, you know really really small area in Mumbai uh, which is like central India and we were working out of a co-working space such that if I'm you know kind of coding over here and there are like there is rain outside there would be a bucket over here to catch the water droplets (laughs) that's falling from the roof (laughs) yeah so it was like you know we did not have a lot of money uh, but it was a lot of fun that's that's for sure
0: yeah with it being so recent I suppose it keeps you it keeps you grounded keeps you humble and stuff like that as well which i think is always a good thing in this space because it's so full of like very lavish and people who like to kind of you know forget forget like the hard work of where, where they've all came from and stuff like that so i bet it's it's nice to kind of look back on stuff like that and just think yeah, oh, see man. how far you've kind of come
1: <laughs> totally, man. i think i think just the fact that you know we are working in conditions like those and you know just like having fun and I, at the same time we were contributing to code bases of tendermint and code bases of geth and stuff like that so it was like really high quality work uh, being done out of such a small you know kind of place uh, it truly <laughs> says how global you know crypto is i love it <laughs>
0: Absolutely love it yeah so um i suppose let's let's get into it like can you can you give us a high level of uh, what is what is soccer just for people who might not they might have came across some of the, the products that are built on socket but um, it's it's always great to hear it from the source so yeah close yours yeah man
1: happy to um i think socket's kind of like a you know invisible tro- uh, trojan horse right now uh, meaning that you know you have most likely interacted with the socket product without actually knowing that you know it's being powered by socket underneath the hood but to give like a quick background on or like context on what socket is socket is uh, interop solution that allows you to send assets and messages across scenes in the most efficient manner possible. Um, and the the way that we are achieving this is extremely different than in any other interop protocol out there in the sense that we, when we looked at things, we look at things in a much more like industry-wide fashion than, you know, trying to differentiate ourselves from the com- competition or trying to, you know, kind of build something that's very, how do I put it, like Capturing the market or stuff like that, we almost kind of approach it from a very Dev-first mindset on, like you know, what does the industry need from this infrastructure right now? Uh, so, so Socket is you know kind of built built out that allows you know people to send assets and messages across chain, and using this you can build absolutely anything you want across chain. So you can have a function on this chain talking to a function on or, or a smart contract on another chain, and this basically kind of unlocks the composability. That we all really like on a single chain, uh, it unlocks the ability for us uh, for applications to compose across chains, across layers, and that has you know like kind of uh, almost infinite use cases. Any any sort of you know EVM use case or non EVM use case, it can be expanded into a cross chain use case. So you know we are building out the infrastructure. We are very excited about what people in build using this infrastructure, and we are trying our absolute best best to build out the best infrastructure that you know. People need to build these kind of
0: products. Yeah, I love that. So, so what's like if we use a product like um, like Bungee, for example. So, what what's actually happening under the hood? Obviously, for a user, if anyone hasn't used it, it's like the fantastic UI UX. It's it's it is it truly really is not just saying that because you here, But um, so, what's actually happening under the hood there for say cross cross chain asset transfer?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Bungie, when we first started building Socket, it was just like, you know, Socket's an infrastructure company. So we, and we totally love this part of it. We want to be as invisible as possible, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to enable things. We don't want to be, you know, out there uh, in front of, you know, faces. But as any infrastructure product, you first need to kind of showcase what this infrastructure can do uh, in, in order to kind of, you know, help people, help developers, help, you know, product managers, help founders visualize what this infrastructure can do, um, you know, out there. So we built out Bungie as like a showcase of the kind of UI UX that you can build in a cross-chain setting if you work with Socket. Yeah, Uh, as the the infrastructure provider for all of all of these, uh, you know, kind of uh, setups. So what Bungie does, it's it's a very lightweight uh, UI on top of Socket's infrastructure. What it allows is you can start from any chain, any token, and end with any chain, any token, right? So it's, you can think about it in a lot of different ways, which is probably a good and bad thing, right? So you can think about Bungie as a universal transfer protocol, meaning that you have some USDC on Polygon, you can send it to your friend who might be on ZK Think, who might be on Ethereum, who might be on Arbitrum. And that guy can be like, uh, I, I only accept Ave uh, tokens as you know, kind of my utility or like, I just want to accept payments in Ave. You can use Socket or Bungie as this like universal transfer protocol where you can send any asset to anyone on any chain in any token, right? You can also think about Bungie as a universal kind of swapping thing, right? Where you can input a token from any chain and output another token to any chain, right? So you can start with any token and get any token on any network you want, right? So it's almost like Uniswap but stretched across any chain, essentially speaking. Right so there are like multiple ways to look at Bungie, but at the end it's it's being powered by socket uh, every time you do something on Bungie, it internally you know kind of pings socket apis it pings socket contracts and it kind of uh you know aggregates third party asset bridges builds third party native bridges third party asset bridges like CCTP, stuff like that so you know it basically abstracts away all the complexity you just tell what you want to get done and Bungie
0: will, you know, kind of do exactly that. Yeah, love that. So obviously, with interoperability, particularly cross-chain, um, people's mind would potentially immediately go to bridges and cross-chain asset transfer. What um, can you give us, kind of a, a high level from from your perspective, what like interoperability truly means, and where where are the kind of blue oceans for applications to actually tap into? If that if that makes sense.
1: Hmm, that's a solid question. Um, I think indrop means like different things for different people, or, or like different projects, right? Um, for example, if you are an application on L2, on let's say Arbitrum and Optimism today, um, majority of the liquidity is on Ethereum L1, or mm-hmm. let's say on stuff like you know Polygon or stuff like you know uh, BSC. L2s are just starting up, right? so if you are a project building on l2 your primary goal is to get as much liquidity from these ecosystems and uh, move them move them to arbitron and from there move them to your product right so whenever you are building a product uh, you you want to kind of focus on customer acquisition as much as possible right so interop for these projects might mean solving the liquidity problem how to suck liquidity from everywhere else and onto their chain onto their protocol right So interrupt for them is how do we allow a user on Polygon to do a single transaction on Polygon and deposit into my protocol on Arbitrum, right? We did this exact same thing for GMX. Uh, People can check it out at gmx.socket.tech. So GMX uses Socket to allow people from any chain using any token to directly mint GLP on Arbitrum and Avalanche, right? Once this happens, it's like a perfect onboarding flow. You've solved the liquidity problem. People from all all chains, all assets can, you know, use your protocol. So this is what, you know, Interop would mean from like, let's say, uh, L2Dev perspective, right? What does Interop mean from something like Coinbase Commerce perspective? Uh, Coinbase Commerce, for people who might not know, it's like a payment protocol where, you know, you, you want to raise an invoice. Uh, you, you know, give out that invoice and you give people this link. People click on that link and they can pay you whatever money they owe you. Yeah, so for from Coinbase Commerce perspective, uh, they would use this protocol almost as a al- almost as like Stripe but for blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. Where Coinbase Commerce wants to accept payments on Ethereum, but the users might be on like all chains and ho- holding like you know any sort of asset. So a user holding Ave on Polygon wants to pay a bill that's in USDC on Ethereum, right? right? So for them, they can use this infrastructure almost as Stripe you know to just click a button it will take your app, it, it will swap it it will bridge it and give it to coinbase commerce on a queue right so yeah i think i think there are like a couple of uh, perspective here uh, depending on you know what what are you building but Interop is definitely useful for almost everyone in the space and you know 100% recommend people looking into the docs and you know figuring out how to use it to make the product better
0: yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense particularly with the amount of Developments in the L2 space, and I don't even think we've scratched the surface of what probably will be the case in in the near future. And I, I suppose on on the non evm front as well, like you've got to think. I, I spend a lot of time looking at projects built on Solana. We're very, very close friends with the Hero Network guys. Um, and whilst everyone's kind of slating Solana, I, I, I still like to kind of check out what's going on there. But it truly is that issue of what you've just said of liquidity is primarily based on a select few evm chains like where are these projects going to go to go and try and track that couple over and if it is through wormhole (laughs) no one's going to use it no one uses wormhole (laughs) let's be honest um and if there's that layer yeah (laughs) and if there's that layer of friction you can kind of just write it off it's it's you need to like the whole space and i think what socket kind of stands by is just completely removing that barrier to entry for particularly for liquidity and for users so um imagine l2s you see them all the time once they have like a decent cross chain integration like tvl just spikes massively because people want to know if they they head over there with their funds it's easy as yeah. easy to get on there as it is to get off Maybe like if you're thinking about what's happening on pulse chain at the minute, no one knows if there's ever going to be a bridge off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <need> a <laughs> Everyone's just of fidging. <laughs> nice one. Ips, <laughs> Ips,
1: Ips be Ips.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Even if they can't get access. It's hilarious. Um, so you touched on Coinbase comments there, but I've seen you guys kind of integrated with a whole host of really, really big-name players in, in, in the space. Um, I'd love to just kind of kind of touch upon a few of them from your perspective. Like, which ones are you guys most excited about? I know you mentioned Coinbase, but is there anything a little bit deeper there? Maybe Metamask and a few other wallets. I'd just love to kind of let the audience um, have a bit of insight from your perspective how that's kind of came about and um, what you guys are actually doing there.
1: Yeah, man. I think uh, from our perspective, when we first started looking at the space, it was super clear to us that okay, man, uh, no matter how many bridges get had, people want to move money across chains. Like you know, you like that's 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 what the free market wants. Free market wants to move uh, funds across chain. Then it's our job to make that happen and happen securely and happen in a way that people like it. Yeah. Uh, so we started looking at the space. We are. It, it was very clear to us that asset bridging is going to be a massive use case, and it's probably not going anywhere. Um, and it also became very clear clear to us that all of this multi-chain complexity, it should probably be handled on the wallet level and not on the, you know, um, developer level, right? Like, you can't be expecting people who have one dev, developer who's building, like, the contract, the back end, the front end to also be like, okay, shit, uh, now I have to handle 10 chains, and you know, kind of <laughs> help people move money across these chains. Uh, oh, and, you know, this is... Only going to increase. Uh, how many altos do we have at this point? Or do you have a number?
0: At the top of my head, Optimism Arbitrum. You had Borba. You had Metis.
1: You yeah. You got the CKs zk's eight.
0: coming on chain. Um, yeah. Build, start build net. on base. Start yeah.
1: Net. Yeah. Um, so probably and, ten plus.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd hazard a, yeah. I'd hazard a guess. Every application worth its salt will have its
1: own L two. Yeah, exactly. In the near future as well. So. Exactly. So this is only increasing, man. Is what I'm saying. And the rate of you know rate at which these chains are or like these L twos are getting spun up, it's it's in- increasing already. Like we have like I think at least twelve roll up as a service protocols, and you know it just kind of indicates where where we are going next, right? Um, So, kind of expecting people building on top of these layers, these, you know, VMs to kind of also handle the multi-chain stuff, it's kind of crazy, right? So, it was very, very clear to us that all of this should be abstracted away by wallets once and for all, and all all the people will then just, you know, kind of use these wallets and wallets will abstract away all the multi-chain complexity. So, we started working with a lot of wallets from day one, right? Um, So, right now, just to give you a sense of where Socket is, um, Socket is a top five contract on all l2s that we are deployed on. Um, seven out of ten of, of like top ten applications on optimism use Socket uh, for ev- everything bridging. This includes like you no know, tails, uh, Premium, synthetics ecosystem, a bunch of a bunch of names which I don't even remember. Um, Socket so a bunch of other you know kind of portfolio applications and third party, bridging interfaces that you see in the market or like wallets that you see in the market, I think 80, I think 82% of them use Socket right now. Uh, so this includes things like Zapper, like Zerion, like Rainbow, Rainbow Wallet, uh, Sequence Wallet, Empire Wallet, Coinbase Wallet, uh, MetaMask. So the is here is uh, a bunch of wallets users uh, and a bunch of DeFi applications. Like GMX, Synthetics, they use us on Optimism and Arbitrum, and we are seeing this become a trend. Meaning that as soon as the L2 launches, they want uh, people want to have uh, good interop with other ecosystems, as we previously talked about, to onboard liquidity into their new ecosystem. So I think this is like kind of becoming a trend now, where a new L2 gets you know uh, gets bootstrapped. And socket is there and you know people have a uh, better time with socket than you know kind of coming by the native bridges which only kind and you know a bunch of problems there um so i think yeah that's a that's a good good way to think about the adoption so far
0: yeah so what does that what does that integration look like on on your end is there a lot of heavy lifting from on your like for for you guys on the engineering team or is how's how's that, how's that look like let's say i've got like the blockmates l2 i need additional liquidity i've just spun it up <laughs> i haven't by the way so <laughs> the if anyone money. starts creating a, a shitcoin coin or anything off the back of that just <laughs> ignore ignore i just said that <laughs> but yeah what's, what's that look like um do you guys have to do any heavy lifting because I, I think it's going to go like it's going to be exponential how how many l2s there are like and how yeah. do you kind of allow that to scale what's that what's that look
1: like that's a solid question man um, so I think on R N how how things things are set up right now is it does take some some effort and time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have like you know multiple backend services running that uh, we need to deploy our contracts to be able to do efficient batching stuff like that. That's a good amount of work right now. I would say about like a week's effort, right? Uh, from like two two devs, right? Uh, I would call this a significant effort, right? Uh, this is something that we are solving next. Um, I can't speak too much about it, but this is something that we are solving. Uh, socket, you'll be able to deploy socket in anywhere you like without talking to the team, right? Let, let me just put it that way. Uh, so we are hundred <laughs> percent ready for fifty-five thousand L2s, uh, and for every L2 to be spun up every second, right? Uh, we are heading that that uh, we are heading there along with the ecosystem.
0: Yeah, I met. I think are they called layer? So it's like um, Older, the yeah. idea behind like, is it like elastic, elastic roll-ups elastic where so you can deploy it, yeah, for, yeah. Deploy it yeah. for like an NFT main and then like wind exactly. it down at the back of it. So it's going to get real, really crazy really quickly, I think. Um Do you subscribe yeah. to the whole app chain thesis? And I don't know, will it be like a GMX chain one day, do you think? Or do you think everyone will just reside on the L2? Like, How, how do you think that looks?
1: That's a solid question, man. I think... Um, hmm. So the way that I think about it is in the sense of bubbles. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's a weird, weird thing, weird word to use in this context. But let me, let me explain, <laughs> right? So what's a, what's a, what's a bubble? Yeah. So I call a bubble where um, a bunch of applications that compose with each each other have to lie close to each other. They have to lie together in a bubble. And and like, you know, applications that you don't interact with that much, they can lie outside the bubble, right? So what I'm getting at is we'll we'll probably kind of see state bubbles form where the entire NFT ecosystem, it's on an L2, for example, right? Or maybe OpenSea has an L2 and all the NFT related projects want to be on that L2. Unless it gets too expensive and they don't compose with OpenSea enough, they'll be priced out, right? And at that point, they'll want to create their own L2. So I think this like market will kind of di- dictate how these bubbles form. If you are building something that has to interact with Uniswap or OpenSea very closely, uh, almost every block, then you would want to be on the same L2 chain, right? But if you're building something that does not interact with them, you know, on a daily basis, or, you know, can work with them, uh, you know, across chains, then it will be more beneficial for, you know, you to rely or, or like, you know, set up another L2 for your, your use case. So that you know, whenever there is a random ERC-20 pumping on Uniswap or another like you know NFT mint happening, you are not, or you or your applications or your users are not bothered by it, right? You can reside in your own L2 bubble and not be worried about OpenSea's bubble. Yeah. So I think yeah, uh, mm-hmm. like market will decide how applications kind of stick to each other or kind of move away in a separate L2. Very mm-hmm.
0: interesting.
1: But you know, until open sea creates its own chain, Yeah. You never know. No you never know.
0: No. <laughs> yeah. How are you guys looking at um obviously base kind of came out of well didn't really come out of nowhere. You can kind of join the dots, and I think the do- the dots join back to A16Z. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> heavy heavy investors
0: in both of them. Um it's something that you guys will be looking to integrate as, as early as possible. I think there'll be a lot of liquidity inflows and more liquidity outflows because of how um, obviously the large user base that Coinbase have already got, the Coinbase wallet and things like that, I think it'd be um, really interesting. Just wondered if you guys are, how you guys are thinking about that.
1: Yeah, man, I think on our end, we'll be live on day one. We've announced this publicly already. Um, Coinbase wallet uses socket exclusively for bridging inside the Coinbase wallet so we'll have to be there on day one to allow you know coinbase wallet to be able to access base uh, so yeah we are we are we are going to be there a bunch of wallets that we work with a bunch of you know uh, really top applications products that we work with they are also going to be there and i think base uh, chain i think they call it is like a fantastic next step um, experience from the current centralized exchange experience I think um, a bunch of people realized in Coinbase that, you know, this whole centralized experience or this whole like sex future is not happening uh, due to regulatory problems and stuff like that. And there's a lot of liquidity, man. Uh, I think even right now, uh, given that we are calling this a bear market, there's a, there is there is still a good amount of liquidity on chain. Um, I mean, I was, I was back in seventeen eighteen during like another bear market and the chain was dry, you know, like there was no liquidity <laughs> on chain. So this is like, you know, this is like really good right now. Uh, and I bet, you know, centralized exchanges want to kind of tap into decentralized liquidity as well. And base will be the home ground for it. So I think it's like super, super positive. We are pretty tight with Coinbase. Um, I, I think they are moving towards this direction, which we think is really nice. Um and will only kind of help DeFi boom, help on chain boom and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, there's some crazy statistic of um if you onboard one or two percent of Coinbase's verified users, like DeFi active users, two or three X's or something. (laughs) So it's so it's (laughs) the opportunity is so ridiculous. And um I just hope there's like a lot of really funny Coinbase memes about uh Brian
1: being bald on day one. <laughs> 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 oh, no. CD, CD Cloud absolutely loves Brian now. <laughs> yeah, he's um
0: he's kind of become the unexpected hero after everything that's happened. I think they kind of not fumbled the bag in the last bull market. They they did well, and then they just started listing a lot of weird altcoins towards the it end. Can't. But um yeah, it's yeah. And now it's it's like he's stood up and probably the only people in the right position to actually take the whole regulation fight to, so it's um, it's nice and refreshing yes. to see after everyone's
1: tortured him for the past few years <laughs> did, did you see the Coinbase 1 stuff? No Coinbase, what's launched, what's the, Coinbase launched I think a subscription service for $30 oh, a month okay. uh, and okay. it's like you know free free trading and apparently this is to support the SEC case So I I think on on my end, I'm just loving how Coinbase is milking the fuck out of this whole thing Uh, and just (laughs) just using it as a marketing stand to get more and more people on board. It's just like great to see.
0: Yeah, I think if they set up in the UK for the derivatives, I'll be um, quietly surprised and and quite impressed that the UK have managed to attract such a company after slowly destroying itself for the past number of years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Don't do Don't do oh god. So um what if I can get back to question as a transfer, what do you think why do you think we've got to where we are with people being so um will be the word skeptical about any new advances in cross-chain tech? Do you think it's because of obviously the large amount of kind of bridging hacks from the, the early iterations of how you would move assets across there and like what what can you guys put out there to kind of be like look it's this is this is our way of doing it this is how protocols built on top of us do it and is there anything to kind of set people's mind at ease i suppose
1: yeah um okay the one might go a little deep so feel free to you know, stop me <laughs> somewhere uh if I, if I, cool. if i get too much in details but So here's the deal, yeah? Uh, People figured out that cross-chain in in terms, or like, you know, founders, entrepreneurs, and like, you know, people in the space figured out that cross-chain ROI wise is fucking amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The reason for that is um, when you you use a bridge and your protocol relies on bridge security, um, your application has bridge security. What that means is uh, building a bridge is super easy. Making it secure is super hard, but because building a bridge is easy, and once you know people start using it, you capture a lot of value uh, in terms of you know like protocols building on top. Uh, the ROI is massive. The amount of effort you need to put to build a bridge versus the output that you get, it's ab- it's absolutely crazy, right? People started building a lot of bridges because the ROI is you know insane, uh, but people forgot to make it secure, and that's that's how we kind of landed where we are right now, where you know things are not that good. People focused on the ROI, but the ROI only actually hits if the thing stays for the next five years. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's exactly why we landed here. And because the ROI is crazy and there's a, a, a lot of like capturing the market going on, capturing the users going on. So v- when we started lo- looking at the space, there were about 150 different asset bridges, right? Um, and it was, I think, end of the bull market, I don't know which one now, uh, but there were like Google Sheets going around where you know you would have a chain on on as the row and another chain as the column, and you had to follow the Google Sheet to come to the list of bridges that support this this chain transfer, right? And then you would go to these uh, these websites, and some of them would rug you, and some of them won't. Uh, so you have to be you know <laughs> careful out there. Uh, but when we started looking at this space, we were like, okay, why are there 150 different bridges? And why is no one winning, right? Like people have been building cross-chain bridges since Ethereum, basically. But no one has really won the market, uh, why, mm-hmm. right? So when, when we looked at the space closely, it became very clear to us that the space is so, the, the nature of the industry such that it's always going to be fragmented, right? Uh, let me give you a quick ex- example, right? So if you have, let's say, Ave, or, you know, if you have USDC, and you want to buy ETH from it, right? Um, you would go to DEXs, and the only thing you're trying to optimize is the maximum amount of ETH you can get for your, let's say, 100K USDC, right? So all you care about is the price. Where can I get the best price? Uh, that's that's the only thing you need to optimize for when you are you know, kind of uh, working in the DEX world, right? Now, let's bring you to the bridging world, right? So when you think about bridges, there are five things you have to think about, right? one is let's say how secure the bridge is right if i start the bridging how long is it going to take before i receive my funds on the other side right uh third is how much is it going to cost fourth is does it support the chain i want to go to or not so chain chain support fifth is does does it support the token i want or not so there are like five different things that bridges can you know kind of trade off between right so the nature of the industry is that it is going to be fragmented at all times. No one can build a perfect bridge. Uh, So for us, it became very clear that there is a natural gap between people kind of building, you know, things based on these five trade-offs and using developers wanting to use these things. And the gap we filled via Socket's liquidity layer, which is kind of built out as a bridge aggregator almost, uh, where, you know, people just plug into this thing and this thing internally plugs into all of these different 150 different bridges. And, you know, now you don't have to think about if this, th- if, you know, this particular bridge supports this token, this chain, how fast will it be? How cheap will it be? How secure it will be? Socket does that for you. You just come in. I have USTC here on Polygon. I want USDT on Arbitrum. Socket just makes it happen. Right. Uh, so I think this is one of the reasons why we are able to kind of capture so much of this asset bridging market. And our, our bet is it's going to be this way. And also it's going to be this way because applications are going to build their own bridges. right? So we saw this happen with CCTP already where Circle was like, hey guys, I'm in USDC anyway, right? So I might as well become a bridge. So now CCTP is the most advanced USDC bridge across all chains. You can literally go from 10 million USDC on one chain to 10 million USDC on another chain and pay like you know 0.001 in gas fees, right? Uh, and this is only going to increase. So yeah, that's kind of why you went in this
0: route yeah that makes a lot of sense That's a really good way to look at it as well um so with uh i've seen the socket the socket account was inviting people to come and break socket dl <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah can you can you fill us in what, not, not many people invite people to come break their their products <laughs> can you realize what's, what's going on there
1: <laughs> yeah man so as i said before yeah like socket's trying to be that thing where you know Plug into it, and it abstracts away everything. A user on Polygon can interact with an app on Arbitrum, which basically makes the names Polygon and Arbitrum pretty pointless. Because if you're able to send a transaction in Polygon and interact with an app on Arbitrum, where are they anyway? You know, like it's mm-hmm. almost like they're on the same chain, or you know, it's almost the same experience. So we are trying to elevate things to that level. To enable that, we need we built out this infrastructure called Socket DM, which is a cross-chain messaging protocol. Uh, which basically allows you to send bytes from one chain to bytes uh, on another chain. So you can basically connect contracts with each other, right? So we build this out, it's working great. Um, but then we start thinking, okay, how do we release this thing, right? Um, this thing has gotten hacked almost every time when it's put out there. Um, not from us, but from other teams, right? Uh, but we We wanted to do a better job of not not getting fun yeah so what's the what's the best chance that we have right? the best chance of surviving in this like adversarial environment is by open sourcing your code. that's uh step one by open sourcing your code and by allowing people to kind of you know look at the code base, submit bug reports against it, you know kind of almost have this security arm, a community-based security arm for your core development arm, right? So, we uh, kind of wanted to launch Socket Data Layer and we launched in the sense that, okay, you know, we are going to put it on incentive incentivized testnet and people who break it, they will become, you know, our almost like our security arm and together, us, we'll develop the protocol and the security arm will help us battle test it at all times, make sure it's secure all times, run a bunch of monitoring at all times, you know, just Having more people taking care of this code base, that's the purpose over here. So we launched this. We are calling it Socket search. It's right now happening. We've already found more than 10, you know, vulnerabilities that could have been exploited out in the wild. Uh, we've already, you know, kind of deployed, I think 50, 60, 100k uh, USDC that have not been, you know, kind of taken away. Um, so it's pretty encouraging to see, you know, how this, you know, thing is shaping up. And we intend to do this more and more, man. Um, I think just having more people care about what you are building, and people who work in a security industry twenty-four-seven, it's a huge plus. Um, we we can totally expect people building on Socket to almost, you know, uh, get approvals from the security arm of Socket, where you know they will look at their code base, help them be more secure. So it's more of like an ecosystem effort than uh, you know, kind of just launching a thing. Uh, Anyone can launch anything, but to do it in a way that's you know, kind of uh, trying to be as safe as possible, I think that's that's the key here that we are trying to go. for.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting way of doing it. I know it's, you, can, you see a lot of people go for like, I don't know, a code for Arena audit and things like that, but obviously those cost a pretty penny <laughs> if you want to do that. But um, oh, it's, a, it's a really, really smart way of doing it. I'm surprised you don't see a lot of other people doing that, I suppose. They're probably scared if they put they open source no, really. too early and people get wind of the code and then just try and spin it yeah. up off the back. But uh, is that, yeah, is that they,
1: why they don't do it? You think? Yeah, man. It, it definitely takes a lot of balls to you know kind of put out an unaudited code base uh, into public scrutiny. Uh, but you know, in order to be secure, that's like the least price you could pay. Um, so yeah, uh, I think a bunch of I I don't think this approach makes sense for everyone uh, but it makes sense for things that need security and I have a sense that a bunch of people are moving in this direction now. Uh, for example if you talk to a bunch of like uh, traditional auditing companies that work in this um, crypto space they are also moving to now this like more community-based model where if you talk uh, we, we hosted the spaces with consensus diligence uh, which is the security arm of consensus. They're also kind of opening up this uh, thing called the Creed DAO, which is more of a community-based uh, security auditing thing, right? So a bunch of people are kind of moving in the same direction, um, and we'll, we'll start to see more of this. It's 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 pretty pretty exciting.
0: Mm, yeah, I like that. Is um is there anything you'd you'd really like to see built using Socket, or is there anything that is kind of currently being built that's public? Not oh, yeah. publicly available information that you think is really cool to bring up?
1: Yeah, but a bunch of people are building some really cool stuff. For example, the stuff we did for GMX. Um, mm. gmx.socket.tech that's that's really cool. Uh, there's yeah. a protocol called SuperFarm, which is kind of like Yon, but across-chain. So you just give it to and we will deploy it across multiple farms, across multiple chains. So that's super cool. I think the, the interesting thing about the infrastructure that we are building is um, we have like, let's say about 10, 12, 15, 20 use cases in mind. Um, the interesting thing about this piece of I- infrastructure is that it goes beyond our imagination. What, what I mean by that is like, it's kind of like Vitalik when he first thought about EVM. He had like five, six use cases in mind, but what actually happened was very different than what he had thought would happen, right? Uh, it's the similar thing with this stuff. You're building out an infrastructure that unlocks a lot of things. We can kind of extrapolate the current use cases and kind of think about how they would be built using this infrastructure. And we have like, you know, 15, 20 of those ideas. But my bet is that future will be a lot different than what we think it is right now. So the thing that we are really pushing for is a lot of experimentation. How do we build something like Aave that's like truly, uh, uh, truly, you know, uh, cross-chain? How do we build something like ENS that's truly truly cross-chain? And the way to get there, might not be by extrapolating, you know, how things work right now on just, you know, kind of making them cross-chain, but thinking in a more like cross-chain first uh, fashion. So we want a lot of experimentation. We want to, you know, kind of participate in a lot of hackathons, get people actually build like crazy shit, which might not work in production, but it's sexy, it's cool, you know. Uh, so I think we want to incentivize a lot of that. Um, and I think from all of these experiments, we will kind of get a sense of like, what does the ideal blockchain experience look like and then is then we would have a much clearer understanding of like what's the end game for all of this stuff
0: yeah it's it always just takes that one piece of kind of key innovation for people to think oh shit yeah then then people iterate off the back of it and it's so it's um it's the same with anything though isn't it like anytime you start something and you think right i have this clear plan of what's going to happen and you start it, then two weeks later it's like something completely different (laughs) (laughs) but you just have to like you just have to start and see what happens i think i i always think um people who try and overly plan and perfect an idea before they've even started something it's just like what, what is it like perfectionism is the yeah, about yeah, yeah it's, it's like I know. I, don't get people I, just, I know exactly what you're going for <laughs> <laughs> i'm not one of those people i just do shit and see if it works if it doesn't work then i just go and do something else <laughs> good, good, man. That's a, that's a, so what know. um what do you kind of see as um kind of future vision is there anything that you'd kind of love to tap into in, in the near term is What's the kind of big? What's the kind of bigger picture? Obviously, we've just said things things change at a rapid pace, particularly in this industry. But is there anything how you guys kind of think and foresee this this thing playing out?
1: Yeah, I think um, so. The hot take right now is the entire kind of blockchain infrastructure space, as we know of it, is changing in real time right now in front of our eyes. Right. Um, for example, I mean. Uh, talking to other friends in the space it's, it's clear that everyone's pretty confused right now given how aggressively the infrastructure is changing right uh, let me give you an example of everything happening on the infrastructure side right now right there is uh, stuff like account abstraction there is stuff like eigenlayer there is l2s there is is cross-chain messaging there is modular chains there are data availability chains there are roll ups there are roll apps Uh, There, you know, there is IVC. So this whole kind of, the the deal here that I'm getting at is the infra. we are at that stage where infrastructure has realized that it needs to adapt for more applications to be able to build on top. Like we've we've realized where the infrastructure is limiting us in terms of growth and the type of applications that can be built. And right now the space is kind of figuring out what's the right infrastructure that the space needs for the next, you know, uh, 10, 100 billion app products to be built on top, right? Um, for us, the kind of visual or like, the thing that, that we're essentially going off is this platform where people deploy and they don't have to worry about what chains are. They just have to worry about them and, and their users, right? Um, for us, the goal is to remove the network selector tab that's right now plaguing every single front end out there, right? The goal is to have, you know, people come to this place where, you know, they upload their Solidity code, they upload their Rust, they upload their Cairo, they upload their, you know, whatever language, and they tell us how much TPS they want. They tell us what's the security that they want, how much they want the users to be paying for every interaction, and that's it. They don't know if it's deployed on Arbitrum, they don't know it's deployed on Ethereum, and they don't have to care. Uh, so all kind of asset bridging, all kind of state bridging, all kind of messaging, it's handled by Socket. That's that's the kind of future we are, you know, kind of aiming towards where, you know, things become truly like chainless almost.
0: Yeah, that's that's like where I'd love to see the the end game of it. Particularly if um because like the way I look at it, if you take it to the extremes, if you if you downloaded a a FinTech app, I don't know, the App Store or something like that, and you went onto it and there was way too much friction you've mm. you've deposit you've deposited your funds in but you can't do anything with it because you need another asset called ethereum like what what the hell is that why, why why can't i yeah. just use it yeah. that yeah. that shit just doesn't fly in the real world <laughs> that, sh- yeah. that yeah. shit just doesn't doesn't in happen Ned. and even the the uniswap um wallet app um mm-hmm. i know they've kind of they've done some really good stuff with kind of more lowering the barrier to entry to kind of set up your your wallet and things like that but again it's anything you can get anything you can get away with with removing those additional layers of confusion because for the first first time user i think it's it is still a bit of a pain in the ass but i think um when we eventually get to this promised land of <laughs> when we don't know what assets were um what chains were interacting on and things like that i think it'll be a People yeah, and it's much brighter than where we are now.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, and it and it starts like really small, and I see it's um, like the path to uh, kind, you know kind of reaching the final state. That's accelerated right now quite a bit, uh, given how many L2s are launching. Uh, because everyone's realizing in real time that this shit sucks, uh, and we need to fix it. Right, so it's it's getting there very quickly. I I, I think I saw some wallet which basically showed me how much ether I have, uh, in the first glance. Uh, so it showed me, let's say, I have, let's say a hundred ETH. I don't actually have a hundred ETH, but it showed me that I have a hundred ETH and when you click on it, only then it tells you how much of it, how much of it is on Polygon, how much of it is on Optimism, nice. how much of it is on Arbitrum, right? So that's a really good first start. Uh, so more of this, please. Yeah. I
0: think there's a lot of, uh, a lot, I think a lot of it comes can be solved with really good UI UX as well. Um, people who what was something I seen in a wallet the other day, just the, even, even the fact, down to like language and terminology that people mm-hmm. wallets use with inside their own wallet mm-hmm. and things like, just make it as Idiot proof is physically possible <laughs> if you're still trying to onboard people. So I think we're probably gonna look back at MetaMask in a few years and think what the hell were we playing at? But <laughs> seems like and, a lot of wallets getting anything. funded at the
1: minute. Yeah, man. People will do anything right now for that cute, cute little fox. But you know, uh, I, th- <laughs> I think it's I think it's time we upgrade. What do you what what's your daily driver wallet?
0: i I'm still using MetaMask like an idiot. But oh I'm gonna God. I, I, You know what I used the other day, which was really interesting? Um, so Phantom on Solana have got Polygon and uh, Ethereum on it now. And I think Phantom yeah. wallet's pretty good. Never had any issues. Yeah. Qu- quite interested by that. But a lot of people are saying Rabby. A lot of people are saying Uniswap wallet is excellent. I haven't used it myself yeah. personally. But um, what about yourself?
1: Uh, I think right now I'm on frame on desktop. And I mm. think Rainbow, Rainbow Wallet on like mobile, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's strange that we're even having that discussion because it just feels like there's blood in the water for MetaMask, particularly with all this selling yeah. of data shit that's coming out. So um, yeah, Ho- might, might, hopefully no more might leave the fox behind.
1: <laughs> yeah, I recommend no more news like this for the industry for sure. <laughs> All right, VC.
0: thanks very much for coming on. Really enjoyed chatting. Um, is there anything you want to like leave the audience with before we go? That you might have missed off that you want to point people's direction towards?
1: No, I think I uh, would really kind of encourage people to, you know, kind of leave the biases aside and start looking more around, like, how do you get liquidity and customers onto your project? I think that's what it ultimately boils down to uh and we are here at okay to you know kind of help out on that front and you've you've been an absolute great host uh thank you so much for having me on
0: very welcome anytime if there's any new shit that you guys are pushing out just let us know we'll we'll run it back yeah. but um yeah i'll leave all the the socket and Bungie stuff in the description below if anyone wants to check that out but uh if you guys you guys are on discord if you, if people need questions straight from the source
1: a hundred percent we have discord you can also tweet at us we reply pretty pretty cool team. <laughs> all
0: right awesome all Right. thanks again and take it easy we'll see you next time